Welcome to the Worldwide Webinar Fellowship, which you can listen to live every first Wednesday of the month at our website, tltf.org. If this is your first time listening in with us, we want you to know that you are loved. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message from God's Word encourages, uplifts, and inspires you to grow deeper in your relationship with God and His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you again for joining us, and now here is your teacher, John Lynn. We have a large crowd tonight, and thanks so much for coming. The title of this teaching is, The Gloves Are Off. And for those with eyes to see and ears to hear, which I imagine is about everybody on this call, uh, and lots of other dear brethren we know, it is crystal clear that our adversary has ratcheted up his assault on mankind on a worldwide scale that is perhaps unlike anything the world has seen since Genesis chapter 11. That I thought about that statement. It's certainly beyond anything any of us. I'm usually the oldest person now around, uh, but certainly beyond anything we've seen. And I trust you realize that the devil's target is the word of God. When Jesus showed up, he chopped him up like he chopped up the scripture in Jeremiah 36, I covered that wonderful section in one day with the creator, and he's trying to chop up the words just like it has been since Genesis 3. Now, in one sense, you and I are also targets, but we are merely collateral damage. It's like uh, nothing personal, John, but I need to murder you. Uh, so he is after the word. Now, you may know that in boxing, once upon a time, they didn't use gloves. Uh, but gloves are now used and they've gotten more through the years uh, because they needed to lessen the injuries caused by the original bare knuckle fighting, which was pretty brutal. Uh, still pretty brutal, uh, even with gloves. But so in the context of current events, to say that the gloves are off means that those opposing God and us are going all out to hurt us, and we must meet their evil aggression with aggressive faith, which is trust in our great, big, wonderful God. Now, the current in-your-face fear tactics the adversary is employing have terrified, it looks like at least 50% of the population, into sheepishly capitulating to having their basic freedom stripped from them. And this includes far too many followers of Christ. The, the, the Christian, the term Christian is, has become so watered down and might not mean maybe what it should or what it used to. But in any case, followers of Christ is a good term because where he has gone, we is supposed to go. And we'll see a little more about that. So. Um, I looked up the word capitulating just because I wasn't exactly sure. I mean, I basically know it means to give up, give in and this and that. But one of the definitions was giving up resistance. So then, of course, I wondered, well, what does the word say about that? And you may know James 4, 7. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now, you know, that doesn't mean every single person that opposes you, you stand up and they just run away. But it's important to note the order here. We cannot 
effectively resist the devil until we submit to God. And of course, each of those is a process day by day, but basically it just means humble yourself before God and do what he says, and that will uh, thwart much of the devil's efforts against you. So we're about to get to 2 Corinthians 11, which is an amazing account by the Apostle Paul about his life. But before we read that, I've been thinking about in light of all this stuff that's going on, and and I can certainly speak for myself more than I can speak for you, but we've been spoiled, relatively speaking, at least compared to what many followers of Christ have endured through the centuries. Personally, I've coasted. I, I, no one's ever tried to kill me. Uh, no one's ever punched me. But this latest assault is like, and I'm, I was trying to think if I've ever been really slapped hard in the face. I don't think so. I uh, I was very good at talking myself, well, talking, but whatever, into fights growing up, but then talking myself out of them before any punches were, <laughs> were landed. You can imagine that. But uh, I haven't. I, I, so I was thinking, what is it like to just be slapped? And that's kind of what it feels like in the last few months. Uh, we just were in 13 different states. And gee whiz, these Wild West cowboy people out there, my God, they got little kids wearing masks in public and people in their cars by themselves wearing masks. And it just, it it was sad to see uh, a lot of these things. But uh, more and more people are waking up. And if you have 50% who are awake and 50% who are asleep, way more of the sleeping people are going to wake up than are the awake people going to go to sleep? Because once you wake up and really see, well, the first thing you got to deal with is your own anger. That's why I've told people many times, suggested they read Psalm 37. If you haven't read it, it's 40 verses. It's priceless because when you really see what's going on and you watch these people, whoever, you know, the ones that are fomenting all of the uh, wickedness, your blood boils. You just want to strangle somebody. It is just so infuriating because it's not just the justice system, whatever. It's, a, it's not exactly a justice system, but the judge is coming. Judge Jesus, and he will judge everyone. In the meantime, it says don't fret because it only causes evil. That doesn't mean you can't be internally angry. Remember, be angry and sin not. Ephesians 4, it's possible to do that because anger is a valid protest against an injustice. And I'm sure you are like I am. You hate injustice. I hate it when bad people get away with bad stuff. So you consider what I just said for yourself as far as being spoiled. So I don't know that I've ever had to have that much courage, really. I mean, not in the face of even what's going on in the Sudan or whatever, the Hindus. They're beating the daylights out of people all over India, Christian people. And, of course, Muslims will kill Christians anywhere they can, Sudan, Nigeria, lots of places. And probably a few Buddhists are not with their program. They're probably beating up a few people, too. So. I wanted to read uh, 2 Corinthians 11, 23 to 29, just to see the contrast between my life and that of 
the Apostle Paul. And there's a lot more contrast than this. But anyway, so it says in the NIV, are they servants of Christ? I'm out of my mind. I am more. I've worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, been exposed to death again and again. Five times from the Jews, I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. That's 39 times five is 195 times that someone laid those lashes across his back. Three times I was beaten with rods, like uh, maybe switches your parents had, although these were probably sturdier and they had metal pieces on the end, I think. Once I was pelted with stones. We know that one. Acts uh, 16, maybe. Uh, maybe it's after that. And he had the, they uh, lowered him over that wall in a basket one time. So he was stoned and he died when he was stoned and the believers raised him from the dead. I believe that's what the text says, because they thought he was dead. The word means to conclude from evidence. They were trying to kill him. If he were still moving, they'd have kept throwing the stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. Holy mackerel. <laughs> Get it. I spent a day and a, a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, bandits, my fellow Jews, Gentiles in the city, in the country, at sea, and in danger from false believers. I've labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. Oh, I don't think I've gone a whole lot of nights without sleep, but I've known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I don't think that I can't identify with that one. You know, I'm starving. Well, it's been four hours since lunch. So I've been cold and naked. Beside everything else I face daily, the pressure of my concern for all the churches. And I know I speak for our wonderful uh, elders and trustees that we we care and we're trying to do what we can with our current resources and so forth. And uh, but so we care about you. And and the last verse 29, who is weak and I do not feel weak, who's led into sin and I do not in, inwardly burn. So that doesn't really sound like my life to date. How about you? One thing we need to understand, which I had no idea, but of course, I don't even remember when I was born again. I just I grew up, went to the Presbyterian Church because my dad was so much bigger than I was. Otherwise, I never would have darkened the door. It was the most boring place I ever went. Um, but when we confess with our mouths Jesus as kurios, Lord, boss, we signed up to suffer. Go to Second Timothy chapter one. I'll show you Second Timothy chapter one. Wait a minute. I didn't realize that that I signed up to suffer. Well, that's one reason I like the phrase followers of Christ, because where he goes, we go. And that will lead us into harm's way. There's no question about it. So you're going to Second Timothy, chapter one, verse six. Paul wrote this from a Roman jail cell near the end of his life. And I was once taught that first Timothy sort of showed the church its rule. I would not know if I would say that, but it was. A lot more together, the ecclesia church is horrible translation. Ecclesia means a bunch of folks, and the context shows whether it's Christians or a mob and an axe or whatever. So, and so Second Timothy's right near the end of his life, the church, the ecclesia is hurting. All these people had turned away from him, etc., etc., etc. So we're going to read six to fourteen, verse six. For this reason, I remind you to 
fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hand. Obviously, God put the gift in Tim and, and Paul um, amplified it by his word of prophecy for him and so forth. Verse seven, here's a good one. You all know it. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, cowardly, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Remember that courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is pushing through fear to do what's right. So he goes on, verse eight, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or me, his prisoner. Rather, here you go. Join with me in Hey, come on over and suffer. Join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. That's a key phrase, because in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. And he and his resources are right there available to us day by day, no matter what. Verse 9, he has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done. It's actually in spite of what we've done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald, my name's Paul, but I'm a herald, and an apostle and a teacher. That's why I'm suffering as I am. Yet, this is no cause for shame, because I know whom I have believed. I want to be able to say that. I want to know him intimately. And am convinced as he is able to guard what I trusted him until that day. What you heard from me. Oh, my gosh. Look at this verse. Keep as a pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. I know a lot of my former peers who have gone to various planets doctrinally. Well, God's going to reward faithfulness. You know, you're not, you don't have to go be an evangelist in Africa or Belzoni, Mississippi or wherever. You just bloom where you're planted. Look for one opportunity after another. I talk about that in the this month's Fruit of Divine that you got at 5 or 6 o'clock East Coast time this evening, that we have many opportunities amidst the carnage and the chaos and the rap with a C in front of it. Uh, you know, we have many opportunities, one-to-one, -one, a smile, a kind word. Uh, we'll get there. Guard, verse 14, last verse here. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you, the truth it's talking about. Guard it with the help of Holy Spirit that lives in us. Please turn to John 15. John 15. Why does the word say in 2 Timothy 3.12, another verse you probably know, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Why? Why? I mean, you're a nice person, basically. I'm a nice person sometimes. Well, what's the problem? Well, John 15, 20 to 25, Jesus is speaking. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, there ain't no if about that. They will also persecute you. He's the head, we're the bod. If they've kept my saying, they will keep yours also. But all these things will they do unto you 
for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not had sin. You know, truth defines or points out sin. That's what the law, the old law was for, to show people when they were out to lunch. But now they have no cloak for their sin. He has uh, revealed what's really in the hearts of people because he polarizes. That's right. He that hates me hates my father also. Now, wait a minute. There are people who hate God. And there are people who also hate Jesus. I'll never, well, I haven't forgotten it yet. I don't know if I'll never. Back in the early 70s, we had a band come through town and we needed an amplifier. So somehow we heard about this kid that had one. He lived in a very, very big house on one of the nicest streets in town. So another believer and I went to the house. <laughs> we knocked on the door and apparently it was his father who opened it. I said, hey, hey yeah, we're with the Christian ministry. We had a Christian band in town and we'd like to borrow Bobby's amplifier or whatever. He says, I hate the goddamn name of Jesus Christ and I will do anything I can to stop that. Now, of course, I wasn't really thinking on my feet. I would have said, well, what about the amplifier? But we just said, okay, God bless. <laughs> Have a nice life, whatever. Okay, now, who knows where that guy's heart really was. <laughs> it didn't sound that good. So 25, last verse here. But this comes to pass that the word might be fulfilled that is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. They hated me without a cause. Now, we would probably take that really personally. Hey, wait a minute. I didn't do anything. I, uh, my point, you can go to Hebrews chapter 10, if you will, please. Hebrews 10. Now, more than ever, we Christians, we followers of Christ, that's going to put us on the same path shoulder to shoulder, by the way, especially those like you and me who know the depths of God's truth. More than ever, we need one another. I'm sure you've heard the burning coal analogy. All the coals in the fireplace or wherever are together and they're glowing red and so forth. So if you take a poker and, and you know, move one away from the rest of the bunch, it doesn't stay, you know, red and on fire and hot. It slowly, slowly, it doesn't instantly just turn totally black or gray, but it slowly burns out. So my question for you, and please think about it, how on fire are you? Doesn't mean you got to go to Africa as a missionary. It means you wake up each day with a burning passion to serve God and Christ and the people in your life, especially if you realize the excellent possibility that every person you meet, you are going to be the only person they've ever met who knows what you know. I'd say that's true in 99% of the cases of people you meet. You know, of course, there's no sports of anything to speak of now. These people wearing these shirts and all this and kneeling and whatever. Uh, but you go to a big game and there's 20,000 people there and there's a very good possibility. You're the only person there that knows what you know. Wouldn't it be great if they'd say, blow the whistle. Uh, we'd like, uh, I'm looking at the names here. Dennis Strong, would you please report to center court 
and the rest of you just we're going to hold the game for a while. And Dennis is going to preach to all 20,000 of us. That would be kind of cool because I bet you there are a few million people on the earth that would like this stuff. But I don't know where they are or who they are, and I'm not sure how to find them. So we're trying. We're doing our best. So if you are the Lone Ranger for Jesus, why? If you do not fellowship regularly, either face-to-face or Zoom or whatever, that's why we try to have, we have online fellowships every Sunday morning, several nights during the week, first Wednesday night of the month. A lot of them are more interactive than this one. Uh, Third Wednesday night of the month. John Touchstone's got Wednesday night, research night. Uh, So come on. What efforts are you making to knit your heart together with other like-minded saints and together proclaim Jesus Christ and the hope he has given us? And I I hope you'll think about that after we get off this call. Probably be 2 a.m. Just kidding. Uh, Some are laughing nervously. So think about it. You're lying in bed the night before you go to sleep. Who with whom are you intimate in the body of Christ? Who are your prayer partners? Who is praying for you? Who is benefiting from the giftings in your life? From whose giftings are you benefiting? Well, let's go to Hebrews 10, verse 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, this this section here, we're going to read six verses, seven verses. It's loaded with 50 cent Greek words, but we'll just see a couple of main points here. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we, that's you, that's me, that's each of us, since we have confidence to enter in the most holy place. Now, that's a reference to the Holy of Holies, but you could put God's heart in there because Jesus opened the door, tore the curtain in half, all this. We can walk right in, sit right down, whatever that song was. By the blood of Jesus, verse 20. By a new and living way, open for us through the curtain. There it is. That is his body. And since, yeah, because his body was torn. I don't know if I ever thought about that before. But And since we have a great high, a great priest over the house of God, it's a bit of, it's written in Hebrews, former Jews. Jesus is not exactly our priest, but let us draw near to God with a sincere heart. Draw near to God and resist. Resist the devil. He'll flee. Let's draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Here we go. 23. Let us hold unswervingly. That's a good word. In other words, hold the course. Maintain your heading. Somewhere it says, keep your head. We might be reading that one. I don't know. But keep your head and keep your heading. And look, I'm a moron. I've made plenty of mistakes. You don't even want to know them all. But I think I've gone in somewhat of a straight line doctrinally for 53 years. And I don't intend to veer or swerve off of that. Yeah, it's cost me hundreds, if not thousands of friends. But a lot of them went away, came back five years later, 10 years later, 15 years later, whatever. Hey, you don't know who's up the road in your life unless you walk up that path. So let's hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. 24. And let us consider. You know that word consider? It means deeply 
Think about it. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. That Greek word comes uh, from the English word paroxysm, P-A-R-O-X-S-Y-M. It's a seizure. Blah! Something pretty violent might not might be a little strong, but that's what it is to spur. That's what you do with a horse. If you have spurs on and he's just sitting there when you want him to go, you give him a little gouge. You're not hurting him, but you're getting his attention to spur him forward. We are supposed to be spurring one another. And that might you might feel it. Hey, you poked me. Yeah. Trying to get you off your butt. Not uh, 25. Here it is. I got it in red on my notes here. These next five words. Not giving up meeting together. I don't care what your state regulations are or whatever. There's still a way to do it. And I'm telling you, if we had a building with a church group or whatever, we never would have capitulated to not have church. You want to arrest all 500 of us? Fine. We'll have church at the jail and you are invited. Not giving. First of all, you can't spur people if you're not near them. Not giving up meeting together. Uh Oh, oh, my gosh. Next clause. Whoa, it ain't Santa. As some are in the habit of doing. I hope you're not in that some category because it's to your detriment not to ever be with believers. I just can't tell you again how sweet it was to be with people and pray with them and and just be a part, hear their hearts and lives and encourage them. And that's the next part. But encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day, the day of Christ, the day of his coming to take us out of here. I taught that bunch of places on the road. We are going to be yanked out of here in a split second at any moment. Might be tonight, might be tomorrow, might be 50 years. So hang in there. Come on. As I always say, take your vitamins, look both ways. You don't have to die necessarily. Okay? So look at those again, 2425. Let us deeply think about how we can help somebody else move forward. Not giving up meeting together. And really, you don't go just to get something like cookies. You go to give, and that's when you will receive. So you kind of prepare your heart a little bit. Not a bad idea for you being with the people, but whatever, God will work in you. As some are in the habit of doing. But in contrast to that, encourage one another. I need your encouragement. I'm frustrated about this stupid thing that's attacking me. I don't like it. Six years and four plus months. So we all need encouragement. Go to First Peter chapter 5. Do not try to guess the verse. So if you are not a regular active participant in a local, which you could start. I mean, who says you can't? Who says you can't? Might be one person the first night. Maybe there's one person for a week, then there's a month. I don't know. Who knows? We used to do it. If you're not a regular active participant in a local or at least online fellowship, please ask yourself, why not? Your brethren need you and your spiritual giftings. You need them and theirs. We need to be heart to heart, true love and friendship, let alone prayer. 
my gosh, do we need prayer. And one of the big ploys of the enemy in this current assault on humanity is separating people and isolating them. Just the mask itself. Now, I don't know what you're reading. I get probably 25 websites of true news. Now, the name of them, but it's not the junk on most all the networks. Uh, so there are countless doctors have now come out and said there's no genuine science at all behind either wearing a mask or unsocial distancing. Doesn't do a bit of good, but what does it do? First of all, it's dehumanizing. The mask is so dehumanizing, and it separates people. Nobody can see anybody smile. The psychological results of isolating people from one another are coming to light. According to a recent report from the CDC, the Center for Disease Control, a highly suspect organization, but they, by the way, they just came out and said that only 6% of all deaths attributed to COVID were actually from COVID. 6% because every one of the other ones was listed with a comorbidity. So here's what the report said about the psychological harm of isolating people and so forth. It says, quote, 40% of American adults have reported struggling with mental health or substance abuse during the COVID-19 pandemic. One, it's a pandemic, but whatever. One third reported feelings of anxiety and or depression. One quarter said they were struggling with trauma-related issues. One in eight reported either developing or increasing substance abuse problems. Worst of all, 11% reported that they seriously considered suicide in the last few months. Oh, golly, how sad. And they're paralyzed with fear. Most of them, they're just panicked. Two years ago, the report goes on by comparison. That number was one in 25. So it's basically tripled. Suffice it to say that there, and this is me now, <laughs> suffice it to say that there are many hurting people out there uh, and we can help them by giving them hope. So we'll read in a minute here. We were at a fellowship in Colorado and a wonderful guy came. I hadn't seen him for, I don't know, a long time. And he shared something with us all that I thought was pretty cool. Uh, he said, I've kind of got a, a new witnessing uh, technique. And, of course, we all many times, I, I think I should start counting maybe during the day. Uh, so you pass somebody, hey, how you doing? Fine, how you doing? Fine. And that's it. Uh, whether either of you really cares how the other person's doing, I don't know. Most people are not going to stop and say, you know, I've got these bunions. And uh, let's sit down and talk about them. Most people don't do that. But this gentleman said when he says, hi, how you doing? Someone says, how you doing? He says, I'm hopeful. Now, that doesn't mean every single person, oh, my gosh, let's get a cup of coffee and tell me why you're hopeful. No. And he shared that it has generated some discussions. Why are you hopeful? Because Jesus Christ is coming back. Pretty cool. All right, 1 Peter 5, 6 to 11, in light of our need for one another. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, so that he can do what? Lift you up in due time. That's why it's like, here's, here's you, here's God's mighty hand. He wants to lift you up. But if you don't stay under the umbrella, so to speak, oops, nobody there. So humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in Kairos, 
at the right moment. I love verse 7, casting all your care on him because he cares for you. We had a wonderful song back in the day that that was one of the lines. Verse 8, be alert in a sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. By the way, don't believe that any roaring lion has ever bitten anybody, right? That's what you got to do to roar. Chomp. That's what you got to do to bite. Exactly the opposite. Verse 9, resist him. Hey, don't capitulate. Resist him. Standing firm in the faith. Oh, I love this next end of the verse. Because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. You're, you're not in this together. Now, of course, that's a big thing. Everybody, we're in this together. Wear your mask. Stay six feet apart. You know, whatever. And the God of... Uh, let me read it again. You know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the more courage we have to bear up, better it is for us and others. Verse 10, the God of all grace. And remember that little saying, his grace will never, God will never lead you where his grace cannot keep you. God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you've suffered a little while. Every phrase this too shall pass. Yeah. Just don't use it about people. They pass away. They don't pass. I don't even know if we're going to have the NFL this year. But in any case, after you've suffered a little while comparatively to eternity, compared to eternity, he will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast to him. Be power forever and ever. Amen. We're going to go to Acts chapter 4, moving into the home stretch here. Acts chapter 4. Look at how uh, some of the first Christians responded to the persecution leveled at them for healing a crippled man. Now, you would think that anybody would rejoice that some crippled guy got healed, but no, not these people, not these incorrigible people who have sold out to the enemy. They could care less. They're wicked. They're evil. And the average person can't imagine it. They can't imagine it. That's why a lot of them don't believe this stuff. Oh, come on. There can't be pedophilia on that kind of a scale going on. Come on. They couldn't possibly. It's a hundred times worse than I have any idea of. And I have some idea. So Acts 4.21, after further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. The more we get out there, hold forth the word, show people the power of God, the more of them will wake up, and then they're not going to persecute you if they wake up. For the man who was miraculously healed was more than 40 years. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people, watch this, and reported. They went immediately back to the brethren and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When the people heard this, the believers, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Lord God, one of the few places they're still, it's Acts 4. They're still thinking of God in the Old Testament, but whatever. Sovereign, no, you know, Lord God. You made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Now, God knew that, <laughs> but they are building up their faith by reminding themselves and maybe God. Look, you made the heavens here and seen everything in them. You spoke by Holy Spirit through the mouth of our servant, our father David, your servant, our father David. 
He said, why do the nations rage? It's Psalm 2. And the people's plot in vain. The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. One plus one is two. Even the bad people know it's not a three-headed hydra. Verse 27. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire. Oh, wait a minute. You mean there's a conspiracy? Shit. <laughs> There are millions of them. Again, serving Jesus, whom you anointed. Verse 28, they did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Bad, bad translation. You know, if you listen to the foreknowledge teaching, segment 14, one day with the creator. If you don't have those links, email me, jal at tltf.org. I'll send you the links to all three of our videos. They're all on the website, but I can send them to you. In other words, God had prophesied yeah, a lot of this stuff is going to happen. People have free will, and God never oversteps it. So, in other words, he wasn't caught off guard. Verse 29, now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants get out of town safely. Maybe sometimes that's what Paul did, but it says, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great Boldness, because if we don't plant the good seed, it can't grow. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word. And nobody you know probably around, you know, in life and whatever knows it like you do. I would say stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And 31, I like this one. Don't understand it all necessarily. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. That's kind of cool. And they were all filled with Holy Spirit and muttered to one another and spoke the word of God boldly. All right, back to 1 Peter chapter 3. Going to read three short segments from there and then a couple of other sections and we're done. So let's consider more. Now, that was Peter who said that, right? Peter and John and so forth. Went back, and Peter's always the guy standing up and speaking and this and that. So let's consider some more of what Peter wrote by revelation from his risen Lord, the same Lord he had denied three times and was tempted to commit suicide. And Jesus prayed for him, and Peter became a rock. And you'll get to hang out with him someday. Maybe he'll give you a piece of fish. First Peter 3, 8 to 17, finally all of you. Be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another. Can't do that if you're not with. Be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. I haven't had that much evil leveled at me. I mean, you know, not really. I'm not used to this. Maybe you aren't either. So we got to learn. Repay evil with blessing because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life. Life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. There is a line in that song, Almost Home, Heaven is cheering you on. Well, heaven is not your dead grandmother. Heaven is God, Jesus, and a bunch of good angels. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. 13, who is going to harm you if you're eager to do good? Well, of course there are people who are going to harm you. If you're eager to do good, but that's not generally the way it is. When you're kind or you smile, 
people are going to at least smile back or whatever. So, and then it says, but even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. In other words, we'll see it again. We're supposed to follow Jesus. And when we do, we're going to get in harm's way. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. No fear, no fear, no fear. But in your hearts, King James is not translated correctly in this verse, but here's the NIV. But in your hearts, revere means set apart Christ as Lord. In other words, make sure he's on the throne. Be as intimate with him as you possibly can be and know that he suffered way more than anything you will and he will help you walk through whatever you need to. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. I'm hopeful. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. They may not be ashamed that day, but Someday, every knee will bow before Jesus, and everybody's going to account for everything. And the last verse, 17, for it is better, if it is God's will, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. I wouldn't say it's the will of God that we suffer, but it is the will of God that we follow Jesus Christ, and that means we're going to suffer. Now, maybe it'll just be verbally, whatever. First Peter chapter 4, one more segment here in Peter. 7 to 11, the end of all things is near. That's 2,000 years ago he wrote that. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply. And that word is literally stretchingly. I did that old teaching years ago. I love it. One of my favorite, the simple, powerful book called Stretching for the Lord. How to Increase Your Faith by risking, stepping out of the boat, pushing the envelope, whatever you want to say. Step out of the envelope, push the boat. I don't care. Love each other deeply, stretchingly, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Verse 10. Oh, this is a good one. Each of you, that would be you and me, should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. Look, you are on solid ground when you use the words God uses the way he uses them. When you deviate from that, you are on thin ice. If anyone serves, you should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Dear friends, do not be surprised. What? No, no need for that. Do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you. Not from God, like most people think God allows all of this to test you. No, no. As though something strange were happening to you. It goes with the territory. 13. But rejoice in it. But rejoice. Rejoice in a fiery ordeal. Yeah, because it's like a crucible that will purify you when you look to God in faith. Participate in the sufferings of Christ. How so? He's the head. We're the body. 
Colossians 1.24. We fill up the sufferings of Christ. In other words, what he got, we're going to get at least something similar. But rejoice in as much. Rejoice in the midst of suffering so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. Last verse 14, if you're insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Go to Psalm 44, please. Psalm 44. The good news is, oh, there's a lot of it, but here's part of it. Everybody persecuting us is fighting against God with a lot of reverb. The creator of the heavens and the earth who is also our daddy, our Abba, pretty good dad. Psalm 44, 1 to 8, we've heard it with our ears, O God. Our ancestors have told us what you did in their days, in days long ago. Of course, we can read about that. With your hand, you drove out the nations and planted our ancestors. You crushed the peoples and made our ancestors flourish. Verse 3, it was not by their sword that they won the land, nor did their arm bring them victory. It was your right hand, your arm, and the light of your face, for you loved them. You are my king and my God, who decrees victories for Jacob, Israel. Through you, we push back our enemies. Through your name, we trample our foes. We won't be doing that physically till the Battle of Armageddon. That doesn't mean you can't defend yourself to the max, if necessary, but... Verse 6, I put no trust in my bow. My sword does not bring me victory. But you give us victory over our enemies. You put our adversaries to shame. In God, we make our boast all day long, and we will praise your name forever. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, next to the last stop in Bibleville. So yeah, we are in a fight to the death, if you will. Except that, even if... We were to die, and I have if in bold capital letters in my notes. You can't see it, but probably heard me say, and I said it during the teachings on the road, don't ever say when I die. You're not, you might not die. Come on, we shall not all be sleeping, but we'll all be changed in a split second. So get off the when and get on the if train. So we're in a fight to the death, except that even if we were to die, just like the Almost Home song said, we still win because Jesus has conquered death and brought life and immortality to life. Let us fight with the weapons which which God has provided us. You probably know these verses, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5. For though we live in the world, we don't wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. That's the strongholds between our own ears, first of all. We demolish, same word, arguments and every pretension. This is loaded with cool Greek words, but we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. That's it. People are calling light darkness and darkness light. Lies abound from the father of lies. And last part, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And some of those dang little thoughts are elusive. They're just scampering around my brain and it's hard to grab them sometimes but we can so paul's closing words to his young protege tim are most relevant for us to consider in closing this teaching second Timothy 4 1 to 8 
in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus. He again is in the jail cell, not far from the end of his life. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge, yeah, the living and the dead. And in view of his appearing, not return. I don't like that. I don't know that it ever really says that. He's not absent. He's invisible. And in view of his appearing and his kingdom, which he will bring us back to usher in, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Here's a cool part. Prepared in season and out of season. In season is a particular Greek word with a like a positive prefix. And out of season is the same Greek word with a negative prefix. So in other words, be prepared when it's convenient and when it's not convenient. Or you might think of another good word there. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come. Looks like it's come for some people, but whatever. You never know. God looks on the heart. Apostle Paul, there's nothing to write home about when he was Saul. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires. They will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to muthos, myths. Now, this is certainly true for the Christian church. I mean, the other people, they've been believing myths all their lives, I guess, a lot of them. But now, look at all the myths that have infiltrated the Christian church, and they are sacred cows of doctrinal error. Verse 5, but you keep your head in all situations. Uh, I'd like to do that better. Endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist. Everybody can tell somebody about Romans 10.9. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time of my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store, and look, even if you're inactive now, for the most part, you don't have to be. You can pick up and move on and get forgiveness or whatever. He's always there. God is always calling you. Come on, come on, come on. Forget that. Come on, come on. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, Jesus, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to Alice, Bill, Brad, Dan. I could scroll down the line, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. And that's when we win. Pretty good to know that that's the outcome, no matter what, no matter how screwy we are, what we endure, we win. So thank you for, I'm going to close with prayer and Franco will play a song uh, that you might want to pensively listen to. I don't know what it'll be, but he always picks a good one. So I want to thank you, those of you who support our ministry financially. These have been tough times for a lot of people, but uh, our income has remained pretty steady. And uh, if you're not supporting this ministry financially, and yet you are receiving blessings from it, we would certainly appreciate anything you would like to give. And you cannot give God. And God continues to bless us. It's unbelievable. And I can't get over it. So we keep giving, we keep giving, we try to err on the side of giving more rather than less, and I would encourage you to deeply consider doing so. There's all kinds of verses 
about helping people in need. So a prayer, and we will hope to see you uh, a week from tomorrow night for the prayer night. Please keep us in your prayers. So anyway, uh, we hope to see you in uh, Ohio, Maryland, New Jersey, Connecticut, Massachusetts, Long Island, New Hampshire, Pennsylvania, whatever. So we'll put our uh, schedule in there. And so, Father, dear Lord, oh, my goodness, I just can't imagine what you think when you look at this world, golly. And you love all these people, even the bad ones. Hard to imagine, but you do. And I pray for every person on this call tonight, every extended family member. Lord, many of us need healing. We know we have the ultimate healing in the new birth and in the new body. We are guaranteed by that. But we want to be whole so we can serve you. I'm tired of being tired. So I lift up each of us. We just come to you. All that I think of that picture all the time. It was Michelangelo or somebody, the finger of God touching. I guess it may have been Adam. I don't know. His finger. That's all it is. You're reaching out. Your posture is never changed. It's always reaching out with everything we need. And our faith simply has to touch your provision and our faith can grow. So I thank you for each precious saint that we get to spend forever with them. And it's going to be way beyond what we can imagine now. And so I thank you for our ministry and our leadership nucleus. And please lead us and guide us and direct us to reach the people that you know would love the truth. And I pray for this country. We pray for our president and our leaders. Father, you know the heart of everyone. And those whose hearts are not in the right place, I would ask you to wall them off to lessen their effectiveness, shut their mouths, shut people's ears to their garbage. And help us to reach out. I know how I feel sometimes. I go in and, where's your mask? I don't want to be belligerent or in any way unkind. I just want to be beyond and tell people and give them a chance to hear what's right. So we thank you for the many opportunities we have to even speak a little bit of your truth. And so we bless your holy name. We thank you for how you work with us. Your love for us is beyond our comprehension. So we bless your name. And Lord Jesus, thank you, thank you, thank you. Living a sinless life that was unbelievable and then dying a torturous death so that God could raise you up and you can raise us, which you will do. Amen. So I love you dearly. If we could do anything for you, uh, let us know. We hope to come east in a few weeks and we certainly hope to see you. So God bless you. Take it away, Brother Franco. Thank you so much. There's got to be more than going back and forth From doing right to doing wrong Cause we were taught that's who we are Come on, get in line right behind me You along with everybody Thinking there's worth in what you do Then like a hero who takes the stage When we're on the edge of our seat Saying it's too late let me introduce you to amazing grace. No matter the bumps, no matter the bruises, no matter the scars, still the truth is a cross as a man.
him up in righteousness. But that's exactly what he did. No matter the bumps, no matter the bruises, no matter the scars, still the truth is a cross has made. The cross has made you flawless. No matter the hurt or how deep the wound is, no matter the pain, still the truth is a cross has made. Let me introduce you to grace.